Welcome to the official podcast for Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization. I'm Beth, aka Triumvir Clio. Hello again. Welcome back. I hope that you're all still well. I can't believe that we're almost to the end of September, assuming you're listening to this on the day that it drops. Although if you're anything like me, you're about mm, 10 months behind in your podcast feed. So I hope the weather is appropriate for whatever season you're hearing this in. Today, we have another comedy from Plautus. Pseudolus, spelled, you know, the way it sounds, P-S-E-U-D-O-L-U-S. I had a professor who would always do that. How is that spelled? It's spelled the way it sounds, with a silent whatever letter at the beginning. Um, That name may sound familiar to you. Um, Yes, this is another play that Sondheim used as a source when he wrote A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum. Um, And the lead character of that play is based on the title character of this one, Pseudolus. But this is not a podcast about Sondheim, although that would be awesome. Um, Put a pin in that. Maybe we'll do that another time. No, this is a podcast about ancient Greece and Rome, so we're only going to talk about Plautus's pseudolus today, not Stephen Sondheim's. Um, This is the last of Plautus's plays that we have a firm date for. It premiered in 191 BC at the Megalesian Festival, um, which honored Sibylle or the Magna Mater. Um, If your Latin is rusty, that's the Great Mother. We'll talk a little bit more about her in a few episodes. Um, I, it just worked out that way, that timed out that there's an episode about, about Sibylle um, coming up. Anyway, one of my sources deems this date, 191, to fall in the early period of Plautus's works, while another one of my sources calls this date late in Plautus's career. So, yeah, his his career runs from about 205 to 184, and 191 is right in the middle of that. So really and truly, neither is right or wrong in their assessment. Um, but it is the last that we have a firm date for. Um, so from here on out, the order will be a best guess, um, partly alphabetical, just because why not? Um, and it will probably include some plays that predate things that we've already read because, like I said, we simply have we don't have dates for for the majority of Plautus's um, catalog. As with all of Plautus's plays, this is a very Roman comedy starring Greeks and set in Athens and filled with stock characters. And I'm again working from the Henry Thomas Riley translation that lacks a cast list. Um, So I hope I list everyone here, but I think you'll be able to keep up if I miss someone. Um, We have Calidorus, our love-struck young man, and he's the son of Simo. And the object of his affection is um, Phoenicium, our noble prostitute. Balio is her pimp. Um, Pseudolus, our clever slave and title character, is owned by Simo and therefore really, you know, Calidorus too. Uh, Carinus is Calidorus's BFF. There are two other slaves, Harpax, who is owned by a soldier with the nearly unpronounceable name, we'll see if I trip over this, of Apalimacher Aplagides. I totally could not get that out. Um, that, they're... I'm not going to repeat his name in the episode. There is a running gag at one point or an extended scene that is just people trying to pronounce his name or correctly pronouncing his name, but, you know, trying to trip each other up to see if they really know who they're talking about. Um, (laughs) He doesn't appear in the play, but 
his name does, and it's funny. Um, and um, the, so Harpax is this soldier's slave, and uh, Simia, not to be confused with Simo, um, is owned by Carinus. So it, even though the name is similar, um, not not owned by him. Um, the final character uh, that we'll meet is Califo, who is a friend and neighbor to Simo. And um, I've talked about the problem with online um, transcriptions that, I mean, yeah, we can find a lot of um, publicly available um, translations that are in the public domain. So you can get them on Project Gutenberg or the Perseus Project um, at Tufts. I mean, there so there are lots of places you can find things. The Riley translation is one of them, but these are texts that were scanned and then um, the editing is not always the best. Um, and with this particular play, <laughs> we have a character named Simo, right? And another named Simia. Um, and there is an entire scene in the, in, in the online available trans transcription of the Riley translation that Simia is on stage and speaking and all of his lines are attributed to Simo. Now, if you find a hard copy of this, um, like you check it out from the library or you get your hands on it at a used bookstore or something, I'm not sure if that same issue holds true in print because I am working from um, from iBooks. I, you know, <laughs> I'm working from a copy I downloaded. Um, so, so it, you may be totally fine if you're working from a print copy. Um, you should be fine if you're working from a different translation. There aren't a lot that are available for free, um, other than really the Riley. Um, so do be aware if you're reading that, if you're thinking, wait, I thought Simia entered. Why is Simo now speaking? It's because Simo is off stage and Simia is the one speaking and all of his lines say Simo. Um, so... <laughs> Back to back to the play and the set. Um, so, you know, our standard three houses, um, there are the three upstage entrances and then stage right and stage left. Um, all three of the houses are used in this play. So we have a set with entrances from the right and the left and from the houses of Balio, Simo, and Carinus. Um, and we'll hear in the prologue that this is kind of a long play. So I'm going to stop the background here and we'll take a short break so that maybe you can stretch your legs before the summary begins. The play begins with a prologue, which may or may not have been written by Plautus. Most scholars agree that the last two lines are his, but the rest of it, maybe, maybe not. Um, there is no specific actor assigned to the lines. Personally, I picture Pseudolus himself delivering the speech, but that's probably because of Sondheim, which again, Pseudolus delivers the prologue in a funny thing happened on the way to the forum. There's no reason that it could, you know, the stage manager could come on and, and deliver the speech. Actually, it could come over the god mic. That would be kind of cool. Um, basically, the prologue says that you should stretch your legs before you sit down because a long play from Plautus is about to start. Um, and so it begins. Calidorus and Pseudolus enter from Simo's house. And Pseudolus asks why Calidorus is so glum, and Calidorus explains. 
He is miserable because he's in love. But he's received a letter from Phoenicium, his lover, that says she's been sold to a Macedonian officer for 20 mine, which amounts to about 2,000 drachmas, which I recognize is not a currency that is as common anymore. Or is it? I Are they on the euro? I've lost track. Um, yeah, it, it's a lot of money. Um there's another translation that I'm working from for a different play that that calls something like that, you know, 200 kahunas. Because they wanted to just give that sense of something big. Um, so anyway, um, so for 20 mine, and she's on layaway right now. Um, so the soldiers paid 15 already, uh, but he still has the last five to pay. So, you know, did you, do you, they still have layaway anywhere? <laughs> anyway, once he pays the last five, then she'll have to go with him. Um, and tomorrow is the day that the final payment has been arranged um, to be made. Um, so if only Calidorus could find the money, then he could buy her out from under the soldier. But there's no way that he can get 20 mine in time. Pseudolus promises to help, despite the fact that he has no clue exactly how he plans to do so. They hear a noise from Balio's door and hide. Balio enters along with several of his slaves, um, but not including Phoenicium. He rudely gives orders on how the house should be prepared. It's his birthday, and he wants everything to be just so. After much stage business, the slaves go back into the house. Calidorus and Pseudolus step forward to speak to Balio. They try a good cop, bad cop routine to get him to hand over Phoenicium. It doesn't work. But Balio does agree to break the contract with the officer if they hand over 20 mine before he gets his last five mine from the officer. Um, which means he'll really come out ahead because then, you know, he'll get, what, 35 mine for her instead of just 20. Um, Balio exits to take care of some more birthday party business. Um, and Pseudolus tells Calidorus that that they'll need someone cunning and crafty to help them. And he sends Calidorus off to find just such a person. Calidorus exits. Pseudolus soliloquizes about how he needs to figure out where to get the money. He tells the audience that he sees his master, Simo, coming, accompanied by his neighbor, Califo. Those two men enter. Simo complains to Califo about how his son, Calidorus, has been behaving of late. He overhears Pseudolus making an aside to the audience and tells Califo that that's his slave, who is such a terrible influence on his son. Simo asks Pseudolus what he's up to. Pseudolus says that he has plans to get 20 mine out of his master before the day is out, and he's going to trick Balio into giving Phoenicium to Calidorus. Simo laughs and agrees to make a bet of it, a 20 mine bet. <laughs> Califo exits to the forum, and Simo exits into his house. Pseudolus tells the audience that he still doesn't have a plan, but he's confident that it will all work out. He exits into Simo's house to think about it, leaving a piper to entertain the audience in the meanwhile, and he actually says, I'm going inside, but, you know, I'll let this piper entertain you. Um, we're, we're going to get to some of this theater stuff. <laughs> it's a, this is a fun play. Uh, Pseudolus enters and tells the audience that he's brilliant and he has a brilliant plan. He sees a stranger coming and hides to see what he's about. Harpax enters. The Macedonian captain has sent him to make the final payment to Balio and to bring the girl back to him. Harpax carries the money and a letter from the captain bearing his likeness, um, and Pseudolus sees his chance to interrupt the transaction. 
He presents himself as Balio's deputy and the person to whom Harpax should provide the money and the letter. It takes a bit of work, but Harpax is eventually convinced. He hands over the letter and the money and exits, and Pseudalus does a little happy dance. Calidorus and Carinus enter. Carinus agrees to do whatever is needed to help his friend, um, and Pseudalus shows Calidorus the letter that he's just gotten off Harpax. Calidorus asks how he got it. Pseudalus points out that the audience already knows, so he'll tell him later. The one thing he knows is that Carinus is not going to be helpful at all. But his slave, Simia, might be. Calidorus and Carinus exit into Simo's house, and Pseudalus exits to the farm to fetch Simia. A boy enters from Balio's house. He reminds the audience that it's his master's birthday today before he spies Balio heading home with the cook he just hired. Balio and the cook discuss the upcoming feast. Balio tells the boy to keep an eye on his property lest this temporary servant steal anything, and the cook and the boy exit into Balio's house. Balio then tells the audience that he is going to tell his servants to be on guard against Pseudalus. He ran into Simo and Califo in the forum, and they warned him that Pseudalus is up to something, and he wants to be sure to prevent whatever that is. Balio exits into his house. Pseudalus enters. He is followed shortly by Simia, who is disguised as Harpax, and Harpax, you'll recall, is the servant sent by the captain to fetch Phoenicium. Um, so now we have Simia pretending to be Harpax, um, and they rehearse so that Simia knows all his lines and what he's supposed to do, and Balio enters from his house. Pseudalus pushes Simia forward and then hides to watch the action. Simia gives an award-winning performance as Harpax, and Balio is relieved to take the money and the letter and hand Phoenicium over before Pseudalus gets a chance to trick him. Balio and Simia exit into Balio's house, and shortly thereafter, Simia and Phoenicium enter, um, and along with Pseudalus, the three of them beat a hasty retreat. Balio enters, patting himself on the bat for on the back um, for outsmarting Pseudalus. Simo enters. Balio tells Simo that his 20 mine are safe because Pseudalus isn't going to win the bet. You know, he's just sent the girl off with with Harpax, or so he thinks. Um, <laughs> but before they can get too comfortable in their victory, the real Harpax enters and goes to knock at Balio's door. After some understandable confusion, Balio and Simo realize that Pseudalus has, in fact, won the bet and tricked Balio into giving Phoenicium to Calidorus. Balio realizes that he must repay the captain, and he and Harpax exit to the forum to make the transaction. Simo shakes his head and tells the audience that he will go get the 20 mine and lie in wait to ambush Pseudalus with his winnings, and he exits into his house. Pseudalus enters, drunkenly singing and dancing in celebration. Simo enters and puts on a show that he's not going to keep up his end of the bet, but of course, as he already told the audience he will, he pays up. Pseudalus asks if he's angry with Calidorus, and Simo replies that of course he isn't. He's a son. He loves him. Um, and Pseudalus invites Simo to join him in a drink and offers to give back half of his winnings if he does. And the two of men start to exit. Simo then asks if maybe they should invite the audience to join them. <laughs> Pseudalus says they never invite him, so he sees no reason to invite them. Then he turns to the audience, and he does invite them to do one thing. Applaud, since the play has reached its end.
fun play. And if you're a Sondheim fan, you can probably see its contributions to If Anything Happened on the Way to the Forum. Um, As we noted in Miles Gloriosus, Sondheim used a lot of different Plautus plays and pulled threads from all of them together, but but you really can see a lot of the plot comes from Pseudolus. Um, And so in case you can't guess, today's stock character is the clever slave. And Pseudolus is the epitome of this character. Even when he doesn't have a plan, he still has confidence in his plans. He just, he knows that he's smart. He knows that he can outwit everybody. Um, and and so we see see the hallmarks of, of this, this stock character. Um, he's a slave, but he acts as an equal to Calidorus. And he's treated pretty much as an equal by the young man. Um, even at the end, when he and Simo exit, they they exit as equals. Um, there's nothing specific about him necessarily using that money to buy his freedom, which in Rome he could have done. Um, but at the very least, they're on a they're on a level playing field, um, even though he is not free. Um, and he's not afraid to use his wits against his own master, as we see. He's war- and he's rewarded for doing this. Um, so the clever slave we see in a lot of Roman comedies, um, a, a very, very common figure. Not all of the other stock characters show up every time, but there's almost always a clever slave. Um, but in, in Pseudolus, in this play, it's the character just shines. Now, we could talk more about class and status and um, compare the characters of Pseudolus and Simo and Calidorus and Balio, but I think I'll leave that for the blog. Um, what I want to know is if you noticed an interesting theme running through this play. I mentioned it <laughs> briefly when I was giving the summary. Um, did you catch the thing that kept coming up? This is a play. And the audience is regularly reminded of that fact from the prologue when they are told to stretch before they sit down because it's going to be a long time to the exodus when they're told that it's time to applaud because the play's over. Um, Now, that sort of exodus is not really uncommon in Plautus. We see that sort of thing like, oh, the play's done. You can clap now. Um, But as a whole, this is (laughs) the most meta of his plays. Pseudolus puts on a show for Balio and he makes a point to let the audience know that he's putting on a show within this show. The the rehearsal um, of Simia, it, it, the, the asides, the, there's a lot of direct talk to the audience that is acknowledged. It's not, you know, it's not just someone talking over their shoulder to themselves so that you hear their thoughts. It is directly commenting to the audience and acknowledging that that there's something beyond the fourth wall. <laughs> Pseudolus, the character breaks the fourth wall regularly, but so do the rest of the characters. It, like I said, it's very, very meta. And honestly, um, this could be because I've been rewatching Community, this this would have made an awesome episode of Community um, that they should have had some lit class where they were studying <laughs> studying this play because, oh, it's just so meta. Um, and if you didn't watch Community, then do yourself a favor and 
watch it because it is it is a brilliant it's a brilliant sitcom and um and then you can also appreciate that that we are clearly living in the darkest timeline here in 2020 um but if you've not seen the show then you're not going to appreciate that or why why I've even made the connection between the meta theatricality of Pseudolus and the TV show community. <laughs> um, but you should watch it. It's good. Anyway, so <laughs> how would you handle the meta theatricality of this play if you were directing it? Would you make it a play within a play? Um, I'm thinking of the productions of um, Comedy Vares. I was in one where, you know, Shakespeare himself was a character within the play, kind of trying to direct the action and tearing his hair out at what was going on. And interestingly, that is another comedy of errors is based on um, not Pseudolus. It's, it's based on some other Plautus, but it is it's based on Plautus. Anyway, um, we'll, we'll talk about that when we get to the right play. <laughs> anyway, so so there, I, I'd love to hear your thoughts. I mean, would you do theater in the round? Um, would you do something more immersive? Maybe something less immersive. Maybe something that with a very obvious fourth wall, so it's clear that they're the the actors are breaking it. I don't know. Um, at any rate, I find that this play holds up really, really well. Um, I wish I had a newer translation of it that I were working from, just because the new translations that I have are so excellent for other other Plautus and this one. I I just I think it holds up. Um, and I think that I think that a director today could have a lot of fun with it. Anyway. Whatever your thoughts are, please do come and share them on the blog. And the link, as always, is in the show notes. On Wednesday, we will read book five of The Odyssey. Talk to you then. You can join the discussion of this and everything covered in this podcast by following the link in my show notes. And if you're enjoying what you've heard so far, please consider supporting the show with a monthly donation of your choosing, just like public radio. And please also consider giving a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice so that more people can discover the fun that is Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization.